You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by Prevagen, America's number one brain health supplement. Go to Prevagen.com to learn more about improving your memory. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I want to thank you ahead of time for making our show great. Well, today my guest is Julie Revelant, and we will be discussing food issues and how they can affect your family in today's time. Now, on JulieRevelant.com, Julie covers the latest research, recommendations and the guidelines on children's nutrition offers science-based expert insight and easy real-life strategies to help parents raise healthy eaters well as a health journalist julie revelant has written hundreds of stories for print and digital outlets including everydayhealth.com readers digest first for women and women's world magazines And for nearly six years, she wrote Healthy Mama for Fox News, where she covered pregnancy, postpartum, maternal and children's health and nutrition. She has also worked as an associate writer and producer for the Yankees Entertainment and Sports Network, where she won several awards for her work and a production associate for the Tyra Banks show. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the show, Julie Revelon. How are you doing today? Great, Dr. Vaughn. It's so great to be here again. Yes, yes. I know that I've interviewed you before, and we always get a lot of great feedback. Your information is fantastic. And one thing I I love about interviewing journalists is that they actually do research and (laughs) and bringing that forward. And and I know that today's time, we need more and more research. And and health now is just all over the place. you know, as we re- as we reflect on the past year of 2020, uh, a year like no other, and now that we look ahead, uh, what are the most pressing matters when it comes to food and feeding our families now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as we all know, um, so many people have lost their jobs or have had to, uh, particularly mothers, have had to take a step back to be home for their children who are on distance learning. And um, there are 29 million adults right now and at least 8 million children who are struggling with food insecurity. Um, And so the U.S. Census Bureau uh, recent survey data also found that 16% of families who said that they had enough to eat before the pandemic now say their children sometimes or often have to go without food, which for many of us is just really hard to, to understand. And it, it's something that I try to teach my kids about, um, but but they too, it's hard for them to, to wrap their heads around not having enough food or not having really much of any food on their table uh, every day. Well, you know, one of the things that I noticed, uh, you know, by thinking back of 2020 and when the whole pandemic hit, Um, one of the positive signs that I noticed was that during the severe lockdowns, um, people learned to cook again. People learned to prepare food again. People were forced not, uh, to go to restaurants because they were all closed. And, you know, I think a lot of people had a choice. They could, uh, learn how to prepare food correctly. 
uh, people could lose weight. And then there are those who chose the other route and basically sat around and snacked all day long. Um, and I'm sure that you've seen a lot of different scenarios from, from what had happened. And, and then now with different parts of the country that are, uh, I'm going to say relatively back to normal. And then there are those that are not back to normal at all. Um, everybody, for those that have, uh, states like Texas that have reopened, I'm seeing that people kind of went back to their old eating habits again. Is mm. that what you're seeing? I do think that I think people are kind of sick of being stuck at home. And so they are heading out to the restaurants for sure. And, um, you know, people are definitely still ordering takeout. And, you know, I think it's challenging, especially um, our new way of life, right? We're, we're all working from home. If you didn't work from home before, that it can be a huge wake-up call um, and your, your whole life is disrupted, really. Um, and if you have kids learning at home, you, you're, you're stuck at home. You think you have more time, but that's not necessarily the case. So uh, it's difficult to plan meals and, and think ahead and have things prepared. And, and I think just the mental capacity we all have has dwindled a lot. We just don't have the energy to think about, okay, what's for dinner? And I, it has to be something healthy. You know, that excitement in the beginning, it, it was like a romantic relationship, right? We we're all super excited to bake and, and cook and try new recipes. And it was so exciting because we actually had the time to do it. But now people are getting tired of cooking night after night. Um, but we could definitely talk about that later. And, and I have some tips for people to, yeah. to get that inspiration back. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. We can do that because uh, I, I love uh, talking about food on this show. And at the same time, trying to encourage people that, you know, we have the choice of which way we want to go with the foods that we choose to eat. If they're going to be healthy, if they're not going to be healthy, if we're going to feel like we're rushed, if we're going to feel like we're stressed in those food choices. But can you talk about uh, some of the research that uh, you're seeing about food insecurity and also the voids in food pantries and what, ha what does it, or what does it have to do with obesity? And, and it's still a problem in, in today's time. Sure. Well, I think even pre-COVID, this is an issue with food pantries um, because many times they get donations from grocery stores or or the public and many times those donations are shelf stable foods um, and so you're not necessarily going to get your fresh fruits and vegetables and so when people have are facing food insecurity and then they're eating a lot of processed foods that then can lead to obesity and chronic disease um, one thing that has changed uh, during this time of covid is what is often referred to as the client choice model. So it's designed to um, help people maintain their dignity of, of the food pantry experience and ensure they're getting what they need so they can go to a food pantry and previously they would select the foods that were appropriate for their families. Uh, with COVID, that has changed in many food pantries and they're, they've had to simply provide the food in a bag um, instead of allowing people to come in and select their own food. Um, I know that it, my children and I, they're nine and seven, but since they were little, since they were, I want to say six and four, we've been volunteering at a local organization called Hillside Food Outreach, which is in Danbury, Connecticut. And um, that's actually their model. So we go in and we shop for our clients and we pick out the foods that they need. So for for example, I have a client who um, 
he is type 2 diabetic, and so he can't eat certain foods with high carbohydrates, high sugars. He also doesn't eat red meat. Um, so we get to go and pick uh, the foods that we feel are appropriate for them. I have another client who likes to follow a vegetarian plan, so we get to pick a lot of beans for her. Um, and so sometimes, yes, they're, they, they've had grants in the past where they do provide provide fresh fruits and vegetables, and we get really excited when we see that because it's really important for this population who who doesn't have access to healthy food. Um, but yeah, so that's been their model, and and it seems to work well. Although I know that yes, during COVID, um, their need has has grown exponentially. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest things that we noticed right on the onset of last year was besides the whole toilet paper situation, uh, <laughs> when people went to the grocery store to shop for food, knowing that they were going to be at home, it was the internal aisles of the grocery store in which people shopped the most. And one of the things that we noticed right off and very, very quickly was how everyone bypassed the produce department because they looked at it like, well, that food's not going to last long. And, yeah. and I think some, I think there was a fear there that there, you know, grocery stores may not be open. I know that there has been, there was a lot of misinformation, which is why so many people rushed to buy this toilet paper and water and, and dry goods that a lot of the healthy foods were left on the shelf. And I'm kind of wondering, uh, if you have done any research or any type of numbers where, you know, if people bypass the produce department, that was a lot of wasted food. And where did it go? Did they just throw it away or did they donate it to a food pantry? Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't read any research about that. I do know that there were a lot of uh, supply chain disruptions, right? We saw mm -hmm. the empty store shelves. Um, it seems to have resolved itself, but yeah, that is interesting to to find out if if that resulted in anything. Um, I mean, I know in our family in the beginning of the pandemic, we still shop for fruits and vegetables, but I was I was one of those people stocking up on on canned goods and and just because uh, yes, a little bit of fear, but not to the extent of uh, like hoarding food. Right. I, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know what you mean because you know we we did the same thing. It's funny. I can still walk into the pantry now. And look and go, oh, yeah, we bought that last year. And, yeah. of course, you know, a lot of those things have shelf lives of two to three years anyway. But, you know, we didn't stop buying um, produce. And, um, you know, because to me, you have to focus on on your health. Now, one of the I think one of the biggest uh, disruptions uh, from last year and hopefully not this year uh, was the health of children. And I know you brought that up. Um, and here, and, and, and it was just the disruption of their schedules. I mean, yeah. instantly they were yanked out of school. They didn't know when school was going to restart. Now they were going to have to do virtual learning from home and go through Skype or zoom with their classes. How did this disrupt in their their eating habits? And and you know these kids are used to a schedule. They they wake up in the morning, they eat breakfast at home, hopefully, go and then you know go to school, get a school lunch, get out of school, have a snack, and it's just this routine five days a week. What were the disruptions that you saw due to the pandemic, and also what happened to the health of our children? 
Yeah, this is a really big, important topic right now. Um, you know, kids are either at home learning full time. So many parents have either uh, opted for that or that was the only choice. Um, there's also kids who are on a hybrid model. So they'll learn maybe two days at home, two, three days at school, and then they'll flip something like that. Um, there are kids who go back who are in school full in person. Um, and then there's kids who parents have decided to homeschool their children. And so, yeah, I mean, our whole lives have been appended. Um, the other factor is that not only have there been disruptions to the school schedule, but there's, you know, there's, I would say in most parts of the country right now, there's no sports or activities. Uh, kids are on devices more than ever because of learning and then all of this extra time where there's nothing to do. And so they're eating more, uh, they're, they're grazing, they're snacking throughout the day, they're much more sedentary. And so, you know, interestingly, studies show that you would think in the summertime when kids are out of school, there's more opportunity for them to go out and be active and make healthy choices. But what research actually shows is that kids are far worse during the summer because there's more time and they're typically sedentary if they're not in a camp program, for example. And so when they're in school, that's really the ideal uh, scenario. And so, you know, we always talk about childhood obesity rates. I believe that really fat or skinny, it doesn't really matter. We have to teach health. Um, but I will give you some, uh, <laughs> some statistics. So the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which is conducted every two years by the National Center for Health Statistics and funded by the CDC, their most recent data found that 19.3% of kids ages 2 to 19 are considered obese, um, which is really concerning. And so Last year in April, when we all went into lockdown, uh, there was a study in obesity, which looked at children in Italy who were in lockdown in March and April. And it found the kids, as we suspected, were eating more junk food, drinking sugary drinks, and moving less, about two hours less a week. And so another component to this is that although there's no data right now about the pandemic, specifically in regards to childhood obesity rates, a lot of what I've read anecdotally from pediatricians, they're seeing kids in their office and they've gained 5, 10, up to 20 pounds. And they're saying that we should expect those rates to increase. And we should also know that this isn't something that's going to subside when we return to quote normal, which again, I mean, I was on a call last night for our board of ed and they were saying in the fall, your kids are still going to be wearing masks. I mean, we are not out of this despite the fact that there is a vaccine and kids aren't being vaccinated. Um, so this is, this is going to go on, unfortunately. Um, and it's something for childhood obesity and just the overall health of our children eating healthy, modeling healthy eating habits, um, that really needs to be, you know, tackled now because we're going to see the effects of it, I would suspect, for years. Yeah, you know, the the, the thing, you, well, you brought up something that I didn't even think about. And of course, my kids have been out of school forever, so um, my mind isn't on those that have school-aged children. But I never thought about the fact that school sports has completely ceased. I think here in Texas, though, I think they, they still have, um, I thought there was still high school football or whatever they're doing now. Uh -huh. But, but you know, we do live in an age now where kids are so sedentary. I mean, you know, most kids have skills of, you know, playing a video game 
than they do going outside to play catch. They don't know how. And, you know, the positive side to the pandemic that I saw was, is when I went out cycling, there was nobody on the road. Um, but I maintained exercise and, and I didn't mind the fact that um, I didn't miss going to restaurants. But with kids today, they're at home. They're at home a lot. There is so much uh, lack of activity, uh, more so than I've ever seen it. You know, I know kids don't get outside and play. Parents don't tell their kids to go outside and play. You know, they think yeah. that as long as they're being entertained by some technical device, it's okay, but it's not. And as you have seen, and as, and also what you have said, it's, it can be linked. It's directly linked to their eating habits. They're not going to eat something healthy unless the parents give it to them. And so the choices, you know, this whole thing is just completely messed up. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think we need to focus, uh, more and more on children's health and okay so you brought up the fact that with 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 schools so if a kid is doing virtual learning maybe two days a week they're they're in the school three days a week or maybe they're in a place where they get to go to school every single day um what has this done to the school lunch programs yeah, so there have been so school lunch is something that is a is a political topic, right? And it's oh, been yeah. <laughs> rife with um, just so many changes through the years. And so in the fall, um, when or I guess yeah, when when schools went back, the USDA extended the child nutrition waivers to provide free meals to all children, and then they extended it so that it would it would occur throughout the 2020-21 school year. And so all children, regardless of need, now receive free school lunches, which is great. However, what I've seen in our school district is because of budget cuts and, and staff changes and because they, they have less, um, the nutritional profile of these lunches is not, it is even worse than before. Um, and so, you know, they also implemented, the USDA also implemented a meal pattern waiver, which allowed schools to serve meals that don't meet certain nutritional standards. So it's my understanding that certain schools can say that because of COVID or uh, supply chain disruptions that they couldn't, for example, get uh, whole grain bread. And so they need uh, white refined carb bread. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely been some major changes there. And again, it's kids need, the, kids need these meals. Many kids who face food insecurity need these meals. I'm not so sure that they're the healthiest meals. Um, but the, the other change is that they are Accessing, ass assessing these, um, accessing, uh, let me start again. The other thing is that kids are, oh my gosh, I cannot say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. The other thing is that kids are getting these meals in a variety of ways. So some schools are doing a grab and go. They walk in, they grab lunch, they bring it to their classroom or breakfast, or they're delivering it to the classroom or the cafeteria, or for kids who are either on that hybrid model or distance learning, they can do a curbside pickup option. However, there are schools, 
which I'm assuming are, you know, full virtual learning, there are kids who cannot access these meals at all. And so that is why last week, President Biden signed an executive order to increase um, access to foods for kids in those situations. Yeah, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I heard you were saying is, you know, for schools to, let's just say, buy cheaper food or unhealthier food based on what they can and cannot do, it's a money thing. And I know that it's a political thing. Uh, I mean, it ended up being a political thing about 12 years ago, but now it's just, it's, it's back to what it was. It's just a money thing. And, a lot of schools are not spending a whole lot of money on healthier versions because the school years are completely disrupted because of the pandemic. And not only that, you know, if you looked at all 50 states, everybody's pandemic guidelines are completely different. Nobody is on the same page whatsoever. And when we look at the news concerning health and nutrition due to the pandemic, Nobody's thinking about the children and right. they're almost, you know, I don't even, I don't even think they're an afterthought. I don't think they're being thought of at all. And you bring up some very important points with our kids. And, and I know for one thing, um, you know, high schools are probably the worst when it comes to these kids, they are fine with a, 12 or 16 ounce soda and a bag of chips and they're done for lunch. That's it. Yeah, they don't, yeah. they could care less. They'd rather be hanging out with their friends outside on their cell phones, doing whatever that is not important to them when it comes to, to health. And of course that goes right back to, you know, what type of mental power and focus do they have in the afternoon when it comes to taking the rest of those classes? And, uh, and this is just something that, um, I, I don't think we're going to have an answer for it anytime soon, but, um, I know that in a lot of your research, uh, food marketers themselves, uh, have been targeting kids for years and not really in a positive way. Uh, has anything changed in that area? So I would say, I'm not sure if it's really COVID related, but there's definitely been this influx of these kid influencers. We talk about influencers all the time, but there's these kid influencers and families on YouTube in particular who are making a lot of money. Um, and so there was a study done in November, 2020 in, in pediatrics, and they found that the highest paid YouTube influencer in 2018 and 2019 was, get this, an eight-year-old who earned $26 million from advertisements that appeared before the videos and also sponsored posts, which are product placements that appear during the video, which just blows my mind, right? Eight years you old. Know, um, <laughs> the, kid, the kid and his family live in my town. Oh, okay. <laughs> they have, they, literally, literally they, they made $27 million, wow. um, off from one year. Um, they bought their own office building to create a in-studio television production company to keep that kid testing toys. Cause that's what it was about. It was about him playing right. with a bunch of toys and, and giving his eight year old, um, opinion about it, you know? And I'm just like, are you kidding me? You right. know? So, uh, I, I was trying to figure out who in the world was watching that, you know, right. 
I could yeah. care less about an eight-year-old's uh, toy, but uh, I don't think a whole lot of eight-year-olds were actually watching that. I figured they were all on their smartphone, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah. good for them. But, you know, I want to talk about something really, really positive because I think that uh, as tired as we are about the pandemic, and I rarely, rarely, 99% of the time, never talk about it on this show or even on my television show because of it just turned into one big, gigantic political football. Um <laughs> that the positive side of the pandemic was that people families finally got together in the kitchen and actually started eating together at the dinner table again and i think that strengthened the the family unit yeah absolutely when when i started reading research about this early on in the pandemic i did a happy dance because i <laughs> think that family meals are great and they have so many science-backed benefits so yeah there there was a poll done by the fmi uh, foundation and it found that 94 percent of people said they're cooking the same amount or more than before the the covid outbreak and another survey found that 73 percent of families with school-aged children now report they have been able to spend more time together as a family before starting work so they're having breakfast together um and like i said there's science-backed benefits of family meals so kids and families eat healthier overall there's a lower risk of childhood obesity and chronic disease and disordered eating your kids will likely have better behavior if, if it, there's no other reason. I think that's one of the best. Um, they're less likely to use drug and alcohol, drugs and alcohol, um, engage in risky behaviors. They have lower rates of anxiety and depression, which is really important right now because we're seeing skyrocketing rates of, of anxiety and depression among uh, children because they're isolated and they don't, they're just stuck at home all day. Um, and then also improved ac academic performance, which again, we know kids are taking this slide because they're, they're learning from home. And finally, like we said, the stronger family bonds. I know with my kids, it's something we look forward to every day. We always, for the most part, have dinner together every night. Um, so yeah, it's it's really great news and, and a silver lining to this pandemic. Yeah, and I think a lot of parents need to realize that uh, if if you're gonna have kids, be a parent. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna get up on my soapbox on that one because <laughs> you know it's the parent that should decide what their kids are going to eat. And I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago, and he said if you want to see a parent surrender, they'll walk into the living room look at their kids and go, what would you like to have for dinner tonight? That's wrong. Wow, you don't give yeah. your kid the choice because if you give right. the kid the choice, they're running the household yeah. and they're running the food choices and they're not going to be good. I think that by everybody coming together in the kitchen, you know, the kitchen is technically the new living room. Everybody meets there. Uh, so, so make it work in a very positive manner, you know, cook together, discover new foods and dishes and recipes. There's a lot of great, easy cookbooks out there that people do not have to think that they have to go buy 20 ingredients. There's a lot of those four and five ingredient kind of things that uh, make it a great place to start. Things taste great. And, you know, everybody in the family benefits from eating healthier and the food is tastier. And you brought up a great point too, Julie, that for kids, their focus is going to be better. Their health is going to be better. Uh, you know, for parents, if they focus on getting rid of the sugar out of their diet and you, with the pandemic, you know, that is probably one of the worst things I think I've seen was the increase in processed carbohydrates 
uh, people getting bored. If people weren't going outside, you know, it was okay to go outside in the front yard or backyard. You didn't have to wear a mask. You just got to go outside, get some fresh air, get some activity going there. And mentally it clears your mind. I mean, we would literally go down to the local park and, and just, you know, walk around, get outside in the sunshine. Of course, you know, all my listeners know that I cycle every day. And so I was always outside and it was activity, activity, activity. And, you know, with parents today, um, I know the schedules were disrupted. I know their jobs were disrupted. We know a lot of parents lost their jobs in 2020. And I know that that also changes the, the aspect of, of a child's nutrition. And, and, and you brought that point up earlier, but I want to ask you something because you have a brand new, you're launching a brand new podcast. Tell us more about it. Yeah, I'm really excited. It launches on February 2nd and it's called Food Issues. And it's, uh, I would say about most of these topics. So how COVID has changed the way that we feed our kids, uh, childhood obesity, chronic disease is is on the rise in children. So type 2 diabetes, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, of course. Um, and so these are all a result of the food inequities that we're facing, a broken food culture. We There's 24-7 access to food everywhere you go. Food marketing, uh, which has you know, been persistent, um, but they're finding new ways to uh, target kids, even on online learning platforms. So apps and kids are at home learning and there's ads, which is just shocking to wow. me. Wow. Yeah. Are you, 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 even, even for them logging into their school, ads will pop up? That is my understanding. There was um, the uh, CSPI uh, filed a complaint about it for one particular app. And I am assuming that there are schools that use this app. So yeah, and I know my kids have used it. So it's is definitely concerning. Um, And so we know that all of these problems are are even worsened by COVID-19. And, and with chronic health conditions and disease, we also know that uh, people who have those conditions are at risk for more severe illness from COVID-19. And so my perspective is that, and it has been for years, although COVID has shined a light on it, is that we need to change the way that we think about food and we need to change the way we feed our kids and think about feeding kids and what they'll eat and model those healthy eating habits and fix all of these other issues um, if we want to change the future for our kids because we cannot start tackling these problems like we are now when we're adults because in my opinion, it's too late. If we simply provided access to healthy food and modeled those healthy eating habits uh, to our kids now, we wouldn't face these epidemic uh, of, of chronic disease in the U.S. Yeah, and I know... There's a lot of parents who can make the right choice. I understand that there are parents that would love to make the right food choices for their children, but I know uh, economically it may not be completely feasible for them. Like you said, you know, a lot of the food pantries have changed uh, the way that they have done things. Um, You know, produce prices can be different uh, depending where you live. Uh, some parents may be out of a job, so, you know, food is not going to be as readily available 
as it should be to every family uh, based on their economic status. Uh, and that is something that we really need to, to look at. And I think in that case, to me, the schools should have actually stepped up in a very big way to kind of fill in that gap. But then, like you said earlier, school lunches end up being an economic as well as a political football in, in certain cases. So, and it usually doesn't work out for the benefit of the child. It works out for the benefit of their budget. Right. Well, the good news is that in 2019, Congress introduced a bill to establish a universal school meals program, meaning that every child, regardless of need, would receive free school meals. And so uh, about a week or two ago, the School Nutrition Association uh, called for these meals and 64 national organizations and associations have sent a letter to President Biden and Vice President Harris to support it. And again, we don't, they haven't given us any indication as to what the nutritional profile of these meals will be. Um, but it is a good step in the right direction, I would say, to help kids who, who lack uh, you know, healthy food because they are receiving fruits and vegetables at school and um, and we know that that has made an impact on childhood obesity rates. So it is a good step in the right direction. Oh, amen to that. Now, uh, where is your podcast? Um, where can people tune into your podcast called Food Issues? Uh, what platforms will you be on? Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Oh, fan, fantastic. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want, just want to go to juliereveillant.com, that's J-U-L-I-E-R-E-V-E-L-A-N-T.com. She covers the latest research, the recommendations, the guidelines on children's nutrition. She offers science-based expert insights. She's one of the best out there. Uh, she also brings forth easy real life strategies to help parents raise healthy eaters. And that's what we want to do. Remember when we feed the body, it's going to feed the mind. It will feed the spirit as well. Uh, Julie, any, uh, last tips or information you'd like to bless us with today? No, I think that that covered it. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Bond. All right. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I know that you and I have done this a couple of times. You've You've uh, done a segment on my TV show as well. You're just a wealth of information, and it's always great to have you on, on the shows. And ladies and gentlemen, again, go to juliereveillant.com. Tune in. Uh, is, it, is it a weekly podcast on food issues? It is a 12-episode season. Oh, great. Okay. And, and that was February 2nd is the debut? Yes, it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Food Issues with Julie Revelant will debut February 2nd. So by the time you hear this, it will be on. So check for iTunes, Google Play, as well as Stitcher. You're going to learn a lot. I can guarantee you that. So ladies and gentlemen, remember, catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. Thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. So just look up Dr. Bond's life-changing wellness on any streaming service, and you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. Again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. We are known as a different kind of wellness show. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body, your mind, and your soul right. Have a blessed day, everyone.